Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Our number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. As always, my great honor to be with you as we talk about common sense conservative values. This is not complicated. I come at you on every single day, every single broadcast with multiple hats. The number one, of course, is that of mom. It's the most important job I have. It is my most significant role. But I was also a TV news anchor and reporter for decades. So I understand the business and the disappointing trajectory of media. And it has been very hard to watch. I care very passionately about telling people's stories accurately. I care about getting it right. I care about asking the right questions, about being inquisitive, about thinking outside the box, about enterprising stories. That's the way it used to be. And I just cannot wrap my mind around this group think. How many people had to sign off on basically being owned by a political machine. How else can you describe it? And and it makes me wonder, how long was this going on when I was still in it? When I was anchoring the evening news for the local ABC station for many, many, many years. Was it going on then and I just, I was dumb, I didn't know? Probably. But it was this $319 million that Bill Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, gave to media outlets under the guise of COVID. But what that was is a bribe. We're going to give you money, CNN. We're going to give you money, ABC. We're going to give you money, Washington Post. So many news outlets took money. $319 million in this one fell swoop. And what is Bill Gates doing? He's buying political favor. He's buying good headlines, positive coverage from news organizations so that they run interference for his suck. 
And make no mistake, he sucks. There is nothing that Bill Gates has touched that doesn't suck. A man who's creating fake breast milk. A man who wants us to eat bugs. A man who wants to basically digital chip every newborn baby in Kenya as some trial test balloon. Uh, uh, of what? Of control? So they can find out how many vaccinations you've had? I mean, when, when I think about dark, I think about certain people. I think of George Soros, Klaus Schwab, Barack Obama, and Bill Gates. Ew! So knowing that, knowing that all these people have taken money, these people, these news organizations have also all taken money to not talk about the election, to not talk about dominion, all of this stuff. They've been bought and paid for. But there's got to be at least one journalist in every single newsroom who's like, I am so not done with this. What's going on? Why can't we talk about real news? Because they're not allowed to. And that is how you get a very sanitized, one-way approach about every single story that's out there. There is no intellectual curiosity at all among the media about how compromised Joe Biden is. I mean, if Joe Biden is a spy, doesn't that sound terrible? Would you be surprised? Would you be like, that is so wild. What is she talking about? But it's not wild. And the media allow him to get away with all of this. Joe Biden received $40,000 in laundered China money from his brother in 2017, Jamie Comer says. House Oversight Committee Chairman James, how many more freaking checks do we need to get that have Joe Biden's name on it sent to him from one of his family members before everybody realizes what the hell is going on? And not covering it doesn't make it less true. This is where we are. $40,000 in laundered China money from the bank account of his brother and sister-in-law in the form of a personal check. Of course, while claiming the president has exposed himself to future blackmail from Beijing. Future blackmail? How about helping the Chinese get preferable oil and gas leases here in the United States? How about all these fine trade deals? How about all the pharmaceuticals that are made in China? How about working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology to create a virus, which then gets unleashed on the world? How about a spy balloon that they just simply let traverse the continental United States? Nah, I'm sure it's nothing. How about the policy decisions that Joe Biden helped Greece as vice president? How about what he's doing now? I want you to hear James Comer. He drops, and this is kind of impressive, because they're circumventing the news, and they're going directly to social media to get to you, the people. And Comer and House Oversight put together a pretty slick, pre-produced video showing what they've just uncovered with this latest check into Joe Biden's personal bank account. But I'm sure it's just a loan repayment. Here's Jamie Comer with the goods. Listen. Remember when Joe Biden told the American people that his son didn't make any money in China? My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China? Well, 
Not only did he lie about his son Hunter making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. And the Oversight Committee has it. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017 when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Over the following three weeks, Biden family members made a series of complicated financial transactions to hide the source of the China money. Here's how that happened. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West Three, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West Three sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said, loan repayment. Like the payment to Joe, from AmeriCorps funds, it's certainly plausible that this payment where James and Sarah used funds from China was indeed a loan payment to Joe. But even if this $40,000 check was a loan repayment from James Biden, it still shows how Joe benefited from his family cashing in on his name, with money from China no less. Without his family peddling his name and his son threatening a CEFC associate with consequences that he said Joe Biden knew about, James wouldn't have had the money to write the $40,000 check to his brother, Joe. It's also worth remembering that Biden family efforts to secure millions from this Chinese company began when Joe Biden was still vice president. In taking funds sourced to a CCP-linked company that wanted to advance China's interests, Joe Biden exposed himself to future blackmail and put America's interests behind his own desire for money. The House Oversight Committee will continue to follow the money and hold President Biden accountable for his corruption. This is where you're getting that news. You won't turn on NBC tonight. You won't open your New York Times tomorrow or see it or listen to it on the radio unless you're listening to this show. Why is that? Isn't it so obvious and so disappointing? And you have a machination, you have a machine that is so confident, it will get away with it. Joe Biden has openly mocked the few reporters who've asked, what money, show me the money, thinking that that it won't be found. Well, it's been found, Joe. The media, of course, will drop that like a hot potato. How about other people ensnarled possibly in the Biden crime family syndicate? Kamala Harris? Chuck Schumer? Oh boy, I've got a very interesting story for you. 
because this enterprise was bigger on paper than just Joe. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Man, this most transparent administration in history is really looking like they're hiding a bunch of stuff, right? Jamie Comer says Congress has only gotten of those 82,000 Joe Biden pseudonym emails. He's only received 14 pages of them from the National Archives. They must be just so overwhelmed. It's just, it's so swamping us. Uh, It's sort of like the FDA. If you give us 75 years, we'll get you all that you need, right? Doesn't it sound so familiar to you? And and Comer says this, and it's great. This lack of transparency from the self-identified most transparent administration in history is looking more like obstruction every day. Accused the Biden administration of obstructing his impeachment inquiry, revealing it's turned over to congressional investigators. Just 14 of the 82,000 pages of emails that the National Archives located from Joe Biden's private pseudonym email accounts. And it's really important that you guys hang tight with me for the next segment, because we're going to dip a little bit into these pseudonyms. We're going to go a little bit, a little bit deeper than we've gone into these. Like you could say, yeah, he's a public figure. He was vice president at the time. He needed some like Hillary. They needed their own access to come on, man. We all know what's going on. People who aren't breaking the law don't need ghost phones or burner phones. They don't need to be able to contact anybody on planet Earth on a dime instantly. (laughs) Joe Biden has that, and he still has it. And Hunter Biden's been paying the bill, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, Comer vowing to escalate his efforts to gain access to these emails. If you have nothing to hide, you don't make it so damn complicated. If there's nothing wrong with the machines, open them up. Show us the routers. If no funny business happened with the ballots, show us the chain of custody transfers. Of course, this all makes sense. If if January 6th was truly an insurrection, if that really was a threat to democracy, if it was that bad, you'd be like, look at all of the evidence. Here's all the video. Look for yourself. You don't create some sham, you know, made-for-TV production with wind machines, hair and makeup, and a Hollywood script? And you sure as heck don't need Adam Schiff's dream sequence pretending he knows what happened on a cell phone call between Donald Trump and Vladimir Zelensky. You do what Trump did. You release the transcripts. Here you go. This is what I said. That wasn't good enough for Adam Schiff. He had to make it up, right? This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. So as we're talking about these these transfers, these money transfers from China to this Owasco Group shell company of suck of Hunter Biden's to the to Jim and Sarah uh, Biden from that to Sarah Biden, from Sarah Biden to Joe Biden, as we're following all of these things, this is kind of interesting. Other people were being vetted to possibly get in on the Biden family shenanigans a list of key domestic contacts for a joint venture involving Jim and Hunter Biden, now bankrupt, CEFC China Energy Company, included former Vice President Joe Biden's running mate at the time, Senator Kamala Harris, among other prominent Democrats. An email exclusively attained by Fox News 
with the subject line phase one domestic contents slash projects and dated May 15th, 2017, Biden's brother, Jim, shared a list of, quote, key domestic contacts for phase one target projects. Email is unrelated to the laptop or the hard drive purportedly belonging to Hunter Biden, which we know now certainly is Hunter Biden's. The list included. These are people. These are friendlies that Jim and Hunter Biden are floating as potentials to bring into their lair of suck. Harris. Kamala Harris. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Senator Amy Klobuchar. Senator Dianne Feinstein. Aw. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand, whatever. New York then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. Then-New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Former Governor from Virginia Terry McAuliffe, among others. It's unclear if any of the Democrats were ever contacted about the, quote, target projects. What do you think those target projects were all about? I'm going to go with something having to do with natural gas. Maybe the extraction of oil. Of course, the Bidens wanted to get rich off of that while they shut these spigots off of that for you and for me. Look, no matter how you slice it, the lack of curiosity among the media tells you everything that you need to know. These people are dirty. Everyone knows that they're dirty. And that is why they double their efforts to do anything they can to deflect and find something wrong with Donald Trump. Look, these pseudonyms, Robert Ware, why that name? Why do you suppose? I wanted to know. How about Peter Henderson? Why Peter Henderson? Well, we're going to go on a deeper dive and we're going to go and play the coincidence game. Is it possible that Joe Biden isn't batting for America? Oh, yeah, it is. And we're going to take you there. Get ready. That's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. If you've ever been wrongly accused of something, you know what that feeling is. I don't know if I can describe it. There's an indignance. There's an anger. There is a hurt. There is a desire to clear the record, to prove that somebody's misconception about you is wrong, to clear your name. That's not what we're getting in our country today. It's a much different apparatus because the things that we are asking questions about, we know exactly we're on to. We know that Joe Biden's dirty. We know our elections suck. We know our elected leaders need to be primaried out. We know that we need term limits. We know that COVID was used as a weapon against us. They don't want us to talk about these things. We know what it is. And the people who lie on the stand, the people who try to bully us into submission, who go after our rank and file, who use cell phone geo-tracking data, are trying to send us a message. Stop trying to poke the bear. But if you live in a world where you believe that truth prevails, that good triumphs over evil, and that story that you share with your children, every single story you read them at night, 
where the prince comes and rescues the princess. Or something magical happens and all is right in the world. That's what we're fighting against. If everything is safe and secure, prove it. If he didn't take money, open the books. If it truly was an insurrection, show us not with cherry-picking video. Make it all available. If there was no ballot harvesting or ballot box stuffing, let us see the proof. Let us look at the routers. Prove to us they weren't connected to the internet. When you are wrongly accused, there's a visceral reaction. No, I'm honest. Please don't accuse me of something I didn't do. I'll show you that I'm not guilty. Donald Trump did that with the phone call. Look at the transcript. How about his finances? They wiretapped him, couldn't find anything. They rummaged through Melania's underwear drawer, looking for things. The best they could get was staging boxes and boxes of materials to create the illusion that Donald Trump is a haphazard danger, if you will, to society. And of course, none of this has stuck. And so the last ditch, Hail Mary, is a barrage of legal mumbo jumbo meant to wind down the clock, disparage his reputation, try to change the opinions of the few people who aren't paying attention, and to just bury him with farcical claim after farcical claim. And we're seeing some movement in a few of these cases, which is promising. But I am hungry for this curiosity in the media. This is why I like Catherine Herridge so much from CBS. I want somebody to dig a little bit more deeply into these email pseudonyms. Because we know when he was vice president, he used multiple email addresses. Members of the public might have guessed they could probably reach Barack Obama's running mate and say Joe.Biden at WhiteHouse.gov or something like that. Biden was following a common practice among senior government officials, we're told by the media. This is Time magazine. Hoping to thwart hackers as well as to prevent spammers from guessing their addresses and clogging their inboxes. This is according to White House officials when asked about these pseudonyms. It doesn't hold water for me. I don't know how it makes you feel, but I don't like that. On Joe using the, the word where, Robert or Robin where in two of his email accounts. The accounts Robin where 456 and JRB where. Do you guys remember who the where group, who they were? What was the WARE group? Well, it was a covert organization of the Communist Party USA many, many years ago. And the leaders were, wait for it, Harold WARE, who reported to a man named Jay Peters. Robert L. Peters, Robin WARE, J.R.B. WARE. So what was the WARE group? Now, I don't think this is a stretch in any capacity for us to ask these questions. Because it's well known, in fact, this is a Wikipedia page about them. 
The Ware Group was a covert organization of Communist Party USA operatives within the United States government in the 1930s, run first by Harold Ware and then by a guy named Whitaker Chambers after Ware's accidental death on August 13th, 1935. I don't think he was paddleboarding. I don't think he was paddleboarding naked either, but I'm sure it was suspicious. So Harold Ware founded this group under the auspices of J. Peters in 1933. Ware was a Communist Party official working for the federal government in D.C. The first known meeting of the Ware group occurred in late 1933 with eight members, among them Alger Hiss. Initially, Peters instructed that members make exceptional money sacrifices to the party, that they study Marxist theory and party doctrine, that they observed strictest secrecy, and to obtain any government documents available to them. Known members later, of course, claimed that it was merely a Marxist study group. But isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that this Ware group was involved in this communist ideology and that Joe Biden would choose his name. Furthermore, what about this whole Peterson thing? Peter Henderson, I should say. Why was it that Joe Biden would use the alias of a KGB spy from Tom Clancy novels? Because this is what we gleaned from Hunter's laptop, which, of course, they tried to tell us didn't really exist. That's fake news, they said. Joe Biden wrote to his son Hunter and others close to him using the pseudonym Peter Henderson, a fictional Soviet Union era spy and several Tom Clancy novels who infiltrated the U.S. government emails show and the messages contained on hunter's abandoned laptop indicate that the then vice president started using the fictitious moles moniker in october 2016 while forwarding a youtube video to hunter to his brother jim to his daughter-in-law hallie as well as to his sister and his longtime political strategist valerie biden owens Now, Biden sent the message using an email address with the username of 67 Stingray, a clear reference to his beloved 1967 Corvette Stingray. The name attached to Biden's 67 Stingray account at the time was Peter Henderson, which matches the name of the KGB spy in Clancy's popular Jack Ryan series. Henderson, who's codename was Cassius in Clancy's realm, worked as a minor Senate aide in 1970 before becoming a Russian spy who was later caught by the CIA and turned into a double agent. He was then freed due to deep knowledge of secret information on the Soviet Union, according to an authoritative Jack Ryan fan site. The character appeared in four novels, including... The Hunt for Red October. Now, weeks later, Biden appeared to still be using the mysterious alias in November 2016. This is right around the time of the election. While forwarding a Forbes story about how demographic trends spelled trouble for China and Russia, but indicate prosperity ahead in the United States. And the message was sent from Biden's 67 Stingray account. The email shows. 
The account then sent a short yet emotional message to Hunter Biden on January 3rd, 2017, just weeks before Biden left the White House after eight years as president in Barack Obama's administration. Keep in touch. The message sent from an iPhone read, love dad. Now, the White House didn't respond to an inquiry about the Peter Henderson alias. The connection was first noted by the National Pulse in October of 2020. We don't know if the account is still being used by Biden in any capacity. We do know, however, that there's a lot of suspicious stuff going on surrounding this family. We know, of course, of at least, at a minimum, $30 million that the Biden family has made in various organizations, shell corporations. We don't really know what on earth they ever did, what services they rendered, other than Joe's name as the brand and his access to influence as his commodity. But what is up with the where and the Henderson? And do you believe it's completely out of the realm of possibility that the alleged president of the United States, one would say, of course, that's not alleged at all. I have doubts. Is something a lot darker than we suggest. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to find out the truth, my friends. But I do know a slow walk from the National Archives. I do know that the Department of Justice running interference and doing whatever they can to find information on honest law-abiding citizens who went to the Capitol on January 6th using cell phone information to try to hunt them down shows that they're very scared about something because this goes way deeper than a singular family. This pollutes every idea that we have in this country of truth and fairness. And it yields to us the very real possibility that the man who occupies the Oval Office right now is not and has never been operating with the intentions that are best for the United States. And that, to me, is scary as nuts. When we come back, we noticed something very interesting. There's a lot of talk about Islamophobia lately. Islamophobia, not anti-Semitism regarding Jews, not hate crimes that we're seeing on college campuses, not hateful rhetoric we're seeing even in, in Congress? No. Islamophobia. We're going to tell you why next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Now, I normally would not end a program torturing you with Corrine Jean-Pierre. I care about you. It's part of what we do here. (laughs) However, sometimes I've got to play something for you. You have to hear what somebody says, and then you have to go backwards in time to figure out what they're actually trying to tell you. So she was in a press conference yesterday. She's got the press pool around her. There's a very specific question that is asked of Corrine Jean-Pierre, and it is specifically about hate against Muslims anti-Semitism against or just Islamophobia, if you will. That's the question. What is the administration doing to fight back on people who hate Palestinians, who are pushing back on these folks? You've clearly got to take action. I looked at Brock and he looked at me and I said, wait, I didn't know that there was some rise in 
in violence against people who are Muslim, people who are pro-Hamas. I didn't know that because it doesn't exist like that. So I want you to hear her audio soundbite. And then we're going to tell you exactly why the administration is trying to put out. We are fighting back against Islamophobia. Go. Remember what the president decided to, when the president decided to run for president is what he saw in Charlottesville in 2017 when we, he saw uh, neo-Nazis marching down the streets of Charlottesville uh, with vile anti-Semitic uh, just hatred and he was very clear then and he's very clear now uh, he's taken an actions against this over the past two years and he's continued to be clear there is no place no place for this type of vile and despite despite this this kind of rhetoric any form of hate it is not acceptable it should not be acceptable here and we are going to continue to call that out and let and let me be very clear this is a president that has continued to have that fight in his office in this administration you know, when he repealed Trump's Muslim ban on his very first, first day in office, that is something that this president did. Uh, he also established an inter-policy committee to counter Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and related forms of bias and discrimination. We have taken this very, very, very seriously mm-hmm. from the president all the way on down. All the way on down from the middle out and the bottom up. That's how seriously we've taken this. <laughs> Now, it's a very pointed question. She's got the prefabbed written answer. This is a setup in the audience. I need you so-and-so from the Associated Press to please ask me this question. I'll make it worth your while. We'll give you an exclusive with somebody later. Okay, I'll ask the question. So she's trying to say that this rise in Islamophobia, it's a real scourge and they're not tolerating it. We're cracking down. Well, if you look at the Anti-Defamation League, they say there was a 30... 30- 6% increase in anti-Semitic violence and threats in 2022, campus and school incidents up nearly 50%, 91 bomb threats targeting Jewish institutions, and this was written in March of 2023. So this is what, seven months ago, eight months ago now? This has nothing to do with what we're talking about now with war in the Middle East. So why is it that they're talking about this Islamophobia thing? Well, let's go back to what they're worried about. This is the part that nobody is saying. The recent outbreak of violence in Palestine and Israel has deeply affected, of course, the American community. Two thirds of Arab Americans have a negative view of President Biden's response to the situation. Additionally, there's growing concern within the community about the potential for increased anti-Semitism due to the violence. Polling data from a different group has painted a similar picture for Biden. According to a recent Gallup poll, Biden's approval rating among Democrats has seen an 11 point decline in just one month. The administration's handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal, rising inflation and all this stuff going on in the Middle East is obviously proving to be points of contention. This is huge. Biden had an approval rating among the Arab community of 57% earlier this year, January, by September, that number had fallen to 43%. Ladies and gentlemen, a 14-point drop. In a matter of months, such rapid and significant declines in approval ratings are rare and could spell trouble for the Democratic Party in 2024. Historically, the party in power tends to lose seats 
during the midterms. But with Biden's weakened approval rating, this trend could be exacerbated. The deep divisions in American politics, as evidenced by the consistently high disapproval rating of Biden among Republicans, further complicates the landscape. Data suggests that the Democratic Party and Joe Biden have significant ground to cover, especially in key battleground states for the 2024 elections. All this is, my friends, they don't care about violence against Muslims any more than they care about violence against Jews. As long as people are fighting, they can get away with their crimes and misdemeanors. But they see the writing on the wall. The Arab community, which is historically a Democrat voting group, is not happy with what they're seeing. In 2020, Joe Biden's approval rating among Arab Americans was 74%. This year, it has plummeted to 29%. They are freaking out. Now, I am no political strategist. But I'm going to submit that going after people and pushing a dead narrative about January 6th, being an insurrection, and trying to finger Donald Trump as the leader of that rebellion in a desperate Hail Mary attempt to keep him off of the ballot and to delegitimize him as a candidate is woefully sad. Woeful. And if there's one person who's going to survive the shots, it's 45. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Loved being with you as well. We'll do it again tomorrow. Same time, same place. Until then, peace. Peace.